Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today I have the very good pleasure of actually bringing a very unique person to you, because uh, it's one of the few times I really don't know my guests before they're actually on the show, but when I started in the research on this person, I was like, I really, I really got to get him onto the show. So our guest today is the one and only Matt Clark, or Matthew Clark, if you want. Um, not to be confused with my previous guest, uh, Mark Clark, uh, the guy from Brain.fm. <laughs> I'll, I'll just pluck this up. It's always fun. Anyway, Matt, <laughs> welcome to the show. This is a crazy time to have you on here, and I love the fact that you're here. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Adil. Thanks for uh, bringing me on, man. I'm really excited. I've been enjoying listening to some of your podcasts and uh, excited to share some cool stuff, man. Really. Dude, I'm excited to have you on here because I actually legitimately cannot wait to ask you a couple of questions, especially with what we were discussing before the show, considering we had such a very close start of careers here, which is brilliant. Um, But real quick before we do that, quick shout out to our sponsors for the show, which are, of course, thevirtualedge.com. Also, adelamarcy.com. If you head on over to thevirtualedge.com, you'll see all of Matt's sites, his products, his testimonials, and essentially how you can start getting the real, um, creating a real personal relationship with your business partners and help them see the results and so much more. This dude's site is is pretty on point. Um, You'll really enjoy going through it. So that's one. Two, adelamarcy.com. We have all the previous episodes and blog posts and some incredible fun free giveaways that we're actually doing uh, around the time of the show this comes out. And most importantly, uh, please go ahead and rate and review this uh, this episode of the show. Hit the five-star button, put it out there, let us all know what you think. The more reviews that we get on the show, the, show, the more people I can get on board, and that will be uh, exactly with some of the people you guys have been requesting. So with that being said, Matt, my first question for you more than anything, because I've got to fill everyone in on this. How old yep. were you when you did door-to-door selling in the UK? So I came over from South Africa, and it was actually a crazy story, even how I got over in the first place. But um, uh-huh. I, I came over from South Africa when I was 18. Okay. Started then. So that was like my first, it was like my second job that i ever done. In all fairness, I think that's kind of like, that says a lot about you because it's kind of a rite of passage to start before you're 20 <laughs> to start in door-to-door sales. And I, 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 I and I know your company. I know exactly which company you guys uh, sold for. You guys were yeah. on commission only, right? Commission only. That was it. Yeah. that was, And they paid uh, low comms as well. Oh, my God. They really did. What was their rate? Like 20 or 30%? Uh, dude, it was, we used to get paid 10 pounds for direct debit. What? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know, I remember like NPower used to be like 50 pounds a direct debit. Yeah. And that was 50 pounds for gas, 50 pounds for electric. So you could walk away with 100 pounds a deal. We'd walk away with 20 pounds a deal. But then we'd be doing like 10 deals a day. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it is that you guys were actually a better sales team than us, but we just got paid more. Yep. I mean, yep. yep. This is actually some more than gone. Dude, I only realized that when I left. When when I was leaving, the guys were like, You gotta come over to NPower. There's like they're paying us fifty pounds a deal. I was like, What? For the same thing. It's ridiculous. Five times more for the same thing. Yep. And I'd say this much, because for me the problem I had, I was far too timid back then. So mm. I actually had a really rough six-week window where I made zero <laughs> sales. Oh, yeah. And, and it's tough that. on the door-to-door. Oh, my God. Guys, you, okay, if you want to test your actual metal and see how much of a tough guy you are, tough girl you are, go do door-to-door <laughs> selling and commission only for six weeks with zero sales. Like, 
practice getting doors slammed in your face. Uh, people calling the police. I had someone like release their dogs yep. on me, dude. That was a yep, crazy. Part. I didn't even say anything to them. I just like walked by <laughs> their house. I was like, "This is the most racist shit ever," and it was so fucking hilarious. Um, and it turns out it's, it's not even racist. That's just what they do. Because I've had the same thing happen to me. Yeah, it's so fucking true. It, like you just realize they're just really messed up people that do that, but they exist. Um, and it, it's the craziest notions about it. So my first question, more than anything, is like, what is one of your biggest takeaways from door-to-door selling? Man, I tell you what, like I can sell anything to anyone at any time. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, that has really been the benchmark, not the benchmark, it's been the stepping stone for everything else that I've done in my life. And from a point of view that it, you, you learn to get a thick skin, man. You learn to get a thick skin. You learn to stop taking things so personally. Um, and if someone says no, it's like, that's okay. You just move on to the next one. So for me, that, that that was the biggest takeaway. It's like, stop taking things so personally. You know, people aren't, they don't hate you as a person. It's just, it's just no. It's just that simple. Next door. Yeah. You really do you know, start, you, like, I don't know if you guys had the saying in your team, but we did in ours, which was, um, it was uh, Northwest, or was it North? Or something like that. It was like, no, um, so, uh, some will, some won't. That was it. Southwest, Southwest, and South, which is like, uh, some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember some of the, some, some of the ones that, uh, that we used to say. But what we say now in our business is like, well, we don't just get, we, we just don't get angry with people. We just take their money, you know? <laughs> oh, so true. So very true. But that's actually one of the cool things I really like is when you become a really good salesperson, not even a really good salesperson, like when you start from door-to-door selling, you develop that thick skin, mm. which I truly believe a lot of like digital entrepreneurs are lacking. 100%. Like, well, it's because they don't have the real-world experience. Like how do you get the real-world experience when you're sat behind a computer and you know, anyone can, anybody can be anything online? You know, they don't ever have to be themselves, but when you're there face to face with somebody and they're literally telling you to fuck off, you know, that's, that takes some emotional like strength (laughs) to deal with, you know, and it's like, they want to punch you. You're like, okay, (laughs) we got to figure out a different way of doing this. Dude, I'm embarrassed to say, but one time my feelings got hurt so badly. I had to take a full (laughs) five minute break. (laughs) We We used to have fully grown men crying on the side of the road. It was insane. Oh, entirely. I, I am not above seeing that happen. I remember this happening. One of my <laughs> friends, she got so sad about it that she literally sat in her car and just cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, it's tough, like, man. Granted, one of my friends got had such a bad day. I shouldn't be saying this, but fuck it. I'm not going to mention their name, but they know who it is. They got so upset. They literally just went to their car because they were the one that, were dri- that was driving. But they just went to their car after lunch and literally just sat in there and just got high as fuck for the next six hours. <laughs> that was what they did. Like, I only knew this because they started to text me going, dude, if you're going by the shops, did you get me some snacks? Yeah. I was like, what, why? Like, what, which house are you in? They're like, I'm in the car. I'm like, they're like, I'll meet you at the car. I'll be there in like 10 minutes. So I believed them because I was naive and stupid. And yeah. then eventually when I actually got there, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing. I was like, yeah. I'm glad we're friends, but seriously, just... They, they paid me for the snacks. So that was a good thing. So they still got the money back for the food. But at the same time, it was like, 
Damn it, I want to bunk off and not do any more doors today, but I got to eat, so I got to keep going. Well, that's the thing, you know, and it's like it, it actually teaches you that no matter what's going on, no matter how shit your day is and how badly you're doing, you can always turn it around. Yeah. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me is that like, you know, there were days where I was on like zero at 5 p.m. in the afternoon and, you know, you have your manager screaming at you and you have like everyone screaming at you and you're like, Jesus, guys, I've been I've got clients screaming at me. You're screaming at me like everyone's going nuts. And then, you know, you realize that at the end of the day, if you want to turn things around, it's entirely up to you. Yeah. So you can switch your mindset, you can like wallow in that self-pity and feel sorry for yourself, or you can actually switch it up and say, okay, I'm going to pull my shit together and I'm going to sort this out. Yeah. It's actually, and that served me so well. Oh, going like in everything I do, served me so well. You know what? That is actually a really good reminder because it's some, it's a practice that you always get put through. It's like, what's the worst case always. scenario and how the fuck do you get out of it? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. are days as, as entrepreneurs where you feel like the world is against you. You feel like completely fucked. You feel like, you know, everyone is just trying to beat it, beat you up and everyone hates you and no one wants to spend money with you and all that stuff. But, you know, and it's all just your own internal shit. And then you've got you to gotta realize and put yourself towards yourself and say, like, cool, like, I've got, I've got a choice now, right? I can continue down this path or I can make a change. And sometimes you need to take five, ten minutes out to do that. But, you know, you do that, you change your state and then you move forward. Very, very true. And that's actually something I'm going to ask you just expand, to expand on a little bit here because I have my techniques, okay. but I know there are a lot of people who are listening to the show, especially like when this show comes out, I don't know what the world's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. Like I really don't. All I know is that salespeople are going to still be doing what they do best. And by the way, just as a side note entirely on this, and I'll tell the story a little bit after if you want me to, Matt, it's cool. um, about why specifically I chose, I chose copywriting and selling as my business. There was a very conscious choice that I made when I was 16 about it. Um, but we'll get into that in a moment. Nice. Uh, but what I was going to ask you as a question is there's a lot of people that are hurting, that are probably recovering. Economy is probably going to be recovering and seeing how it goes. But specifically, what can people do? Because it comes down to them. Like people mm -hmm. are still spending money on Netflix, on Disney Plus. They're still spending Definitely. money. Why should they not be spending it with you? So my mindset question for you is, how does someone that has come out of, say, like a very hard three months, let's just give them the hardest three months they've gone through, they're in quarantine, yeah. everything's kind of shut down. How do they turn that negative voice in their head around based on what we already know from door-to-door -door selling and specifically what you now know as a business owner and entrepreneur? Yeah, great question. And I would say that boils down to your vision, you know, um, it's what's your ultimate plan? What's your ultimate goal? Because if you don't have that absolutely clear and you've got something big that you're striving for, like what is even going to be your purpose for getting up every single day? Like if you don't know what you want, how the hell are you going to get there? And it's that vision that, that keeps you going. And this may sound cliche or whatever, but there's a reason cliches are cliche because it's true, you know, in a lot of cases. And it's like, you know, when you've got that big vision and it's sitting in front of you daily and you're like, this is where I'm going to be in the next, you know, year, 12, six months, 12 months, in the next three months even. But it's not, it's not just a, a nice to have when it becomes that must have. That's when it's like, okay, now I know where I'm going. Now you work backwards and say, what are the daily actions I need to do to get closer to that? And then from there, it's filtering out you know, everything that you're doing in a day, asking yourself the question, is this getting me closer to my goal or further away from it? 
Is this a transformational action that is moving me forward or something that's transactional that's just keeping me busy? And if it's a transactional thing, you've, got to get, you've either got to stop doing it or delegate it, right? And only focus on the transformational thing. So if someone is stuck right now and, and, and they're like trying to recover as a business owner for the next three months, the number one thing that they're going to need is new leads and new clients, yep. right? So why not start that process now? And you've got to determine, like, if I want to make, you know, 100 grand a month as an example, um, what, how many leads do I need to get? Out of those, how many are going to turn into clients? How many conversations do I need to have? And start putting those actions into place. You know, I had a, a very cool story. One, one of our clients, she, was, she had an existing business, and she was launching a new piece of software that was going to take the business to the next level and, and help them create a lot more leverage. And she was about three to four months out of actually having this thing ready. And what she did was that she got on to LinkedIn. She went through the training that we provide and she, she got on there and she actually started connecting with her ideal clients. And she built up a connection list of about 3,000 people, right, of ideal clients I'm talking about and just started dropping seeds. So it was like, you know, you were talking about that, um, you were talking about how to launch a business with Lisa, right? And it's exactly that. She was just dropping seeds the whole way through for the next three months as she was connecting with people. And when it launched, she already had a whole bunch of people that were ready to buy. Yeah. It's basically putting it out there. Mm -hmm. And I love that as an idea. It's so true. Um, one of the questions I really have uh, for you that kind of like leans off of this, it's quite powerful, is Oh my God, my brain just actually completely flipped it for a second. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought, which is really annoying. That question will come back to me. Okay. Um, but I do love the fact that you actually went down that pathway because people will need leads. That's it. Found it. Sorry. It was, it was a question that was attached to a statement. I fucking love how my brain works sometimes. Specifically, it's around... Um, so with people basically going out there and needing leads, one of the things that I will tell people that are listening in on this right now is... Right now, as Ryan Dice said, or just after this whole situation when this podcast podcast comes out, we're still in the phase of the big, now is the time to build your audience as big as you can, as it always is. But especially when everyone's in recovery, there are so many businesses that I would describe as deer in headlights. Mm -hmm. So the way that you, and even if you're a deer in headlights right now, or you're recovering and like slightly blinded by the road and you have no idea how you're going to recover, it's like the worst three months ever, you feel like shit. Here's how you basically split that around. Do exact everything that Matt just said, but here's the big difference. Keep that yep. mindset that now is the time to build because once those leads start coming to you, they're going to be like, why am I paying attention to this guy or this girl? You know what? I need someone like that to help me get attention for me. So I'm going to hire them to help me with this. Exactly. And it's brilliant. It all comes down to positioning and things like that. So my question for you specifically here is, Outside of that, let's just say, for, uh, let me just give you a bit of a, a, a different niche because I'm just curious, a very quick, like, I don't know, yeah. two-minute rant. Let's see if you can do it because uh, yeah. I know you can. If, say, for <laughs> instance, you're a yoga studio right now that's just shut their doors because of this yes. whole uh, COVID thing, you've lost all your money, you can't reposition yourself quickly enough, it's been 90 days from the initial lockdown, we're still indoors, but businesses are starting to recover a little bit more. How do you as a person actually go ahead? How would you as an entrepreneur advise them hmm. as the best way for them specifically to start getting 
uh, customers feeling safe enough to come back in? Because I have a theory, but I want to know what yours is. Okay. Um, so how do you get customers to feel safe about coming back in? Exactly. I mean, that's a... So that's not about how do you get customers to come back in? How do you get them feeling safe about coming back in? Exactly. Okay. Um, and what are we talking? They've got a list that they can email or they're starting from scratch or where are they at? Let's just say that they are at the point where they don't have a very active mailing list. It's very underused. It's a brick and mortar business so that they've just collected names and email addresses to send them a, a blast once every three to six weeks or whatever it is about some ridiculous thing they're doing. And cool. they don't have a lot of money. Let's just say I have a list, they have a decent social okay. media presence, and that's it. Cool. I think there's a couple of strategies that you can use to do that. And, you know, number one is obviously, you know, I would go into my studio and I'd go and film exactly what it looks like and I'd go shoot a couple of virtual classes. The second thing that I do is that I would get onto Facebook groups, which would have my ideal client, whether it's, you know, mums or whoever that ideal client is, as an example. So if they're looking for like mums, as an example, go through to groups that have got those, start posting some valuable content in there. But then secondly, what I do is I'd go into LinkedIn. Okay. And I wouldn't use LinkedIn. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we teach. We teach people how to get two to five high value leads per day from LinkedIn without paying for ads. But I'd use a slightly different strategy because going on there looking for mums as an example to, to jump into yoga classes is not really going to be a good fit. But what I would do is I would go and look for people who, are, who have my ideal clients as part of their networks and I'd go do a bit of research and go and connect with those people and then start, start adding value to their businesses and showing them how they can use yoga as a way to boost their immune system, how they can use yoga as a way to increase their strength, to get their mindset right, to shift their energy. So you can start actually using it as a proactive way to grow instead of just, you know, exercise and feel good. That's pretty good. I would agree with that. That is actually incredible. And then, of course, you have your mailing list where you can use that exact same content yeah. to start rebuilding your list and creating a bond with them, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Very similar to how I was thinking about doing it, by the way, which is excellent. Cool. Because it makes me smile. Um, do you, <laughs> by the way, do you mind if I tell that really strange story about why I go on sale specifically? Because it, go actually, for it, man. it relates to this, and I believe you yourself have actually extolled a lot of the virtue, but there is a reason. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was actually planning to be a physiotherapist and a psychologist. I was doing a double degree. Uh, that's why I wanted to graduate when I was 21. And then I failed my first year of college because I got told that I, uh, at the start of college, like my teacher didn't like me. And I was like, I might fail this year. So I've got to come up with a backup plan because like, there's no way I want to repeat a school year. It's either this or I have a plan B. And the second plan was basically start a business, but specifically get good at selling. Uh, and at 16 years old, I was like, Get good at selling, get good at selling because you need to sell. Why? Because if the world falls into a post-apocalyptic wasteland where all technology is useless, what are they going to need? They're going to need someone that can sell. They're going to need someone that can write. And they're going to need someone that can basically just sell a hell of a lot of stuff. At 18, I figured out it was copywriting, so I decided to do that. But at the yeah. time, the whole thought process in my mind was get good at selling in all forms. Telesales, face-to-face, on camera, through copy, through uh, conversations like this learn to sell and that was my reasoning to it because the more i did mm-hmm. it the more i became it and that reason that that simple uh thought process is actually the reason i do a lot of things i do today 
Now, with that kind of jumping off point, because the whole reason I was relating to it was like how door-to-door sales shapes you. And one of the key things from that uh, as well, I, I'm sure you know this, but if you're looking to sell your company or go public, you are likely to get a higher chance of an approval if you have experience doing door-to-door sales. Wow. It, it's like, uh, I think it's something like four times more likely. Wow. Yeah. Just simply because you did door-to-door sales, because they want to know that you've actually done face-to-face selling. You know how to sell to a crowd. You're not just like a, a tech billion, or like a tech kid who came yeah. up with a good idea and doesn't know shit about selling. <laughs> yep. And that's not saying anything against them. Like, that's interesting. Eh? Some people got to learn how to sell. Now, one of the strategies I really want to, I really want to ask you about specifically about like, because you have like a different. You have different sets of products, and of course, you're known for uh, the Rainmaker uh, system. That's basically yes. what you're basically known as the Rainmaker launch program. As you're using LinkedIn more, is it just LinkedIn, or are you using like multiple different um, sources of traffic? So we've gone all in on LinkedIn, and you know, so LinkedIn is like a flagship program, which is the Rainmaker system, mm-hmm. and then the next step up is you know where we teach you how to get two to five high value leads per day without paying for ads. And, you know, in that we sort of cover, get laser focused on the ideal client, get what we call the pickup line, right, which is, you know, the, the, the line where people can see they know how to work with you before they even talk to you and then do a profile makeover. So those are like some of the steps. But then the next level up from there is how to implement sales systems. You know, one thing that that's one of my superpowers, because I didn't only do door to door sales in the UK. When I came back to South Africa, I did that for another seven years. Yeah. In actual fact, I had a direct selling company doing door-to-door sales, selling switchboard telephone systems, right? Amazing. And I loved it. I, you know, I did door-to-door sales for eight years. It was beautiful. And um, one thing that I learned was how to put systems in place. And then when I started getting into this online stuff and I realized that there was actually technology that could automate a lot of the processes, that was like the holy grail. I was like, oh my God, I'll take two of those. You know, I'm not sure how to make it work yet, but I'll figure it out. And um, that really changed the game. So, you know, step one, we teach people how to get leads. Then once they start getting leads, then there's a next step to say, okay, cool. Well, how do we automate your sales? How do we help you grow your sales, grow your business, position yourself correctly, um, create a predictable and repeatable sales process so that you can start building a business and not just have a glorified job? You know, so there's different levels depending on where people are at. Exactly. Okay, so there's different levels there. So I'd say let's let's start with the most basic uh, ideas around LinkedIn um, profile creation. So I've actually spoken to quite a few LinkedIn experts in 2020, cool. which is incredible. People have done it for yep. a while, which is what we always vet. I don't like uh, getting people on board. They're just like, yeah, I've done this for like six days, and yeah, we just don't. <laughs> it's like there, there's a process to it. And I know yep. that you've definitely had your you've you've got your experience in it. So my question, realistically, for you is. What do you see as one of the biggest uh, downfalls when it comes to creating connections on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, because up until maybe a year ago, two years ago, even LinkedIn was still kind of considered by the mass majority of business people as kind of like a spammy location. You go in and you get pitched yeah. almost immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. And now, like those same business people, I don't know what LinkedIn did um, or how they actually vetted it, but people like yourself who have started really creating like a movement towards it in the sense of mm. how we do things are so different that now we're drawing the attention of everyone else because we're actually getting insane work come in. Yep. Um, because of that, my God, my question was basically when someone actually starts out, what are their, what are their mistakes? 
with connections? Yeah. How do they not? How do they build the right people in? Because that's the key thing. Yeah. So a great question, actually. And you know, one of the biggest things that they do is they try and go too general, right? And that's one of the biggest mistakes that I'd say probably ninety-five percent of entrepreneurs make is that they're too broad. You know, when you ask them who's your ideal client, they're like, well, anyone that can pay me money. You know, and that's that's like you know as a copywriter, right? That's difficult to market to. It's impossible to market to. So, you know, the big mistake is they go too general. And then the message that they put out there is very basic. It's very um it does actually come across as spammy. And then, you know, because then they go in with the mindset of I need to connect to as many people as possible. And they they focus on the number of connections over the quality of the connections. So they land up starting to talk to people as like, well, I just need to grow my connections instead of I want to get to know you and see if we can build a proper real relationship. And if we like each other and there's a good fit, then we can talk about some business. Cool. So essentially you go around the qualification route more than anything else. Yeah. Like I want to disqualify people. Yeah. You know? I think Frank Kern said it is the more you disqualify people that you, the more you repel the people you don't want, the more you attract the people you do want. Agreed. And I think one of the best people to do that is of course, Ben Settle. Yeah. Dude is like killer for like putting people off. He's like, Nope, don't want you in here. Bye. Yep. Yep. So, okay. and it works. It does work. But I'm going to ask you this question then off the, off the back end of that. How do you actually deal with the fear of people that want to be liked? Oh man, that's, you know, one of the biggest things that we deal with is, is copywriting. I mean, copywriting is mindset. And I was chatting to, I was chatting to one of the guys that, that we do some work with and one of our our business associates. And he said to me, he's like, you know, what's so interesting about what you guys do is that even though you teach LinkedIn, it's like, you guys are a personal development company (laughs) because the biggest thing you do is help people get over their fears and their limiting beliefs. And you just use LinkedIn as the tool to do that. And so, you know, we really focus around people taking all the taking off all the focus off of them and putting it onto their clients because that's really what it's about. It's not about them. It's not about them and their insecurities and their message. It's about it's about how can they help the people that they're trying to serve. True. Very true. So some of the strategies basically get out of your head and start put get your head out of your head and put it into your heart and serve. Yeah, focus on your clients. It's all about them and their problems, what they're going through and how how you can help them experience a transformation of where they are right now to where they ultimately want to be. And we've got a saying like, I I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's like when when I look at someone's profile or I look at their website and if it's got too many I, we, us, all of that, we call that weeing all over your customers. (laughs) So true. So very true. See, the thing that I actually have a bit of an opposing thought to this, and some people really do get upset about it, which is hilarious to me, um, because of like how society is changing ever so slightly, it's all down to the demographic that you actually write to. So if you're mm. writing to a younger demographic, I'd say from 35 and below, actually I'd say from 40 and below, so 1980s onwards. Yep. If you can actually walk, there is a there is a very fine line to thread, and you can do this with the old generation. It works great for them as well, but I'm saying under 40 specifically. Um, you need to be able to thread the needle and walk the very, very thin line between 
I need to make this about you, but I also need to tell you the story about me and how I got here. Because if yeah. you don't tell me the story of how you got here, my brain is going to be plaguing on the fact of who the fuck are you? Exactly. So, so you got to like walk that very fine line, which again, this is why I teach copywriting the way I do. It's because it follows that direction of tell a story about yourself, which again, I'm not going to lie. Somebody, I've had another copywriter look at my work before and go, there is a lot of I, me and whatever in your, in your copy. Why isn't there more you? I was like, mm. read through it. They read it. They're like, Oh, there is quite a bit of you, but like you've essentially just like, it's very neck and neck, like in terms of like ratios, they were really, really weird by that. And they're like, yeah, I don't think it's going to go ahead and do very well for, for this client that I wrote for. Mailed it. We literally knocked, we beat their old Smashed control. it. The wow. only reason is, and we looked at the heat maps, it's literally, and we asked a lot of their customers why they bought. It was because the customer felt that they were being tr uh, in a trusted, safe place where they could yes. actually share their values with someone that really understands them. But most importantly, someone that has already gone through what they've gone through or worse in some cases and they can actually relate to them while also extolling all the values and benefits. So that's a very powerful thing to look at. 100%. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Like, So on LinkedIn, you've got two places really where you you can capture attention. Right. Okay. And the first place is where most people have got, you know, CEO or founder or whatever of their company name or director or whatever it is. That's yeah. the place where we call, we call that the pickup line. Okay. So as an example, my pickup line at the moment is I help coaches, consultants, and advisors get two to five high value leads per day from LinkedIn without paying for ads. Excellent. So Tells when exactly people who see, you are. exactly, they know how to deal with me and what I do before I even talk to them. Right. So you've got 120 characters there, okay? It's very limited. Then when you go to your about section, which is the second part that they read, you've got 1,200 characters. But it goes by really, really fast. So, you know, there's a, there is a very fine balance. And I typically have one paragraph that sort of builds the credibility, that tells the story, that says, look, I understand after going through X, Y, and Z, this is, you know, working with X amounts of clients and, and being in this position, this is what I've found to be the biggest problems is this, 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 and this. And then, you know, we've developed a system that'll take you from transformation to transformation. So it gets fun. You know, you've got to take what you'd normally have a lot more space to do when you write copy and sales pages and email sequences and that and put it into 1200 characters. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the most uh, challenging task ever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it gets fun. It gets fun. So now what we do is we take entrepreneurs who are typically, they're really good at what they do. You know, like a lot of the people we work with are excellent at what they do, but then marketing and sales is just not a thing for them. Yeah. And so now we're, we're essentially teaching these people, giving them a crash course in this, and they're going out and they're writing these things and they're picking up clients on a daily basis. And it's, it's unreal. Uh, I love it. You know what's really annoying about that is sometimes you'll find the people that are the best at what they do, even if it is sales and marketing, they are shit at doing it for themselves. <laughs> exactly. It's the cobbler's it, shoes, man. It is. That is that is my life, by the way, that you've actually just described. Yeah. That is exactly how my life is. I've, I've somehow got through my entire career on referrals alone. Yeah. Amazing. And it's insane because I've looked at my, like, I don't know if you know this about my track record, but we're sitting at $700 million made for my clients. Plus it's gone over 700 million, but it's only like March. So expect 2020 to not produce as much as it has in the last like 12 years. Yeah. But still 700 million amazing. in sales is amazing. 
considering I can't even go ahead and tell everyone, like I had such a phobia of telling people what I do. But this kind of re- leads me to the next question I have. And again, um, I do want to talk to you, like after the show, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your system, if that's cool. Um, cool. That's right, guys. I'm going for it. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but ba- saying that and uh, jumping off that point exactly, what I want to actually like dig into is the idea of the content you share because it's all good and well having a great profile. But if you don't know what the fuck to say on your LinkedIn posts, on your articles, in your about page, what needs to be included, that or even any social platform, to be honest, how, like how do you know what to put out there? Like what is your methodology for like actually teaching people like, hey, you're great at what you do, but you need to cover this, this, and this because you're not doing it right now? Yeah. So typically what we do, and we keep it really, really simple in the beginning, because bear in mind, most of the people that come to us are not copywriters and, you know, they're not experts at creating content. So we keep it really simple. We take them through a process which we call uh, the goals grid. Okay. And it's a really simple process which covers four particular things. And they've actually got to go out and do market research on this. So they need to go and talk to their ideal clients and actually ask them these questions. So here's the four things that they need to go and get, and they need to get as many of these as possible and then distill it into the top three of those. So they need to find out what are the top pains and frustrations that the ideal clients are going through right now. All right. And make a whole list of that. Then the second thing is what are the fears and implications linked to those pains and frustrations? So what would happen if they don't solve this pain and frustration right now? And then once we got that, then we go to the goals and desires. Like what linked to the pains and frustrations, what are their goals and desires? What do they ultimately want to achieve? And then linked to that, what are their dreams and aspirations? So now you've got this like this beautiful like circle that goes round. And the content that they create is just solving their problems and showing them how they can go from pain and frustration to goal and desire, how they can go from fear and implication to dream and aspiration. And it's as simple as that. That's incredible. So simple. Yep. And then they don't need to be copywriting experts. They can just say, look, if you're facing this problem, here are things, three things you can do right now. Yeah. That's basically what you really need to do. And that's how simple copywriting is at times for content writing. Yep. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's three ways to get there. Ta-da. Yep. Um, as we're getting there. <laughs> it's really that simple and people always freak out about it. Now, there is something that in the show notes that was sent to me. So Rachel was amazing for actually setting this up. Um, She's a rock star. She is indeed. She actually sent me uh, this question. She said that I need to ask you specifically about the sheriff's story. Um, day one of the new business. And I was very curious about this. So what is the sheriff's story? Are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I lost you a second there. Sorry. So hold on. I was just saying that it was the sheriff's story, like specifically, um, what is it? What What's that story about? Like day one of your new, of your new business. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cause she got me curious. Okay. Yes. Um, so crazy, crazy story, man. So, um, I've been involved in, as I said, door to door sales for a very long time. And when I got back to South Africa, um, I, I was, I did a couple of like crazy weird jobs, you know, like commission only jobs. And cause that's me, you know, I've, I've never earned a salary before in my life. Everything has been commission only. Yeah. And what happened was that I was working for a company selling 
what were we selling? Corporate clothing and gifts. And the person that I used to work for in the UK phoned me up one day and he's like, Matt, I'm selling telephone systems here in South Africa and it's the easiest thing I've ever sold in my life. So he phoned me on the Tuesday. I saw him on the Wednesday. I quit my job on the Wednesday and started on the Thursday, <laughs> right? And it really was. It was the easiest thing I'd ever sold. I mean, I was like 19 years old making more money than both of my parents combined and most of the people that I knew. And so I did that for a while. And then what happened was that we landed up, that, that organization actually failed because it grew too big and it grew too fast. And we were actually selling more than what we could service. Um, and I was working for that company at the time. And so it was taken over by another organization that was one of the finance houses. And we worked for them for a while and it was, it was good. And then we ran into some big problems with them. And we decided that we wanted to start our own business. So the guy that I used to work for now became my business partner. And so I was running the Johannesburg branch. Um, he was the sales director for the group. And another guy was running the Cape Town branch. And the three of us decided we're going to go into business together. And so we planned this whole thing. We took all the sales guys for lunch. I mean, we had brought them over. We trained them. You know, we'd laid all the foundations. We'd done everything. And so we took them all for lunch one day and we said, guys, look, this is the move that we're making. You have a decision now. You can either stay where you are, okay, and whatever happens, happens, or you can come with us. And so some people stayed and some people left, um, which was fine because we knew we were going to build something great. So we go and we've got this nice office and we've organized this office and we go there on the first day and the sheriff of the court is waiting there with a cease and desist order <laughs> as wow. we all get, yeah, as we all get to there, he comes with the box, you know, those paper boxes that was yeah. just full of like cease and desist orders for all the salespeople, for the admin staff, for us, for everyone trying to stop us on our first day of doing business. And so I kind of just said to the guys, I was like, guys, don't worry about any of the stuff. You go out and sell. I'll deal with all of this. And we landed up in our first year. Um, we did in, in South African rands, we did uh, seven, no, we did 12 million rand in our first year, which was, you know, it was good. Um, and we were fighting a court case at the same time. Um, so we, we had a lot of fun, but you know, when you can sell, like you can almost sell yourself out of any situation, you know? Yeah, you really could. It's like crazy how, how sales is such a life skill. And by yeah. the way, just to give you guys a conversion on today's money, because I don't know, wait, how long ago was this, by the way? Oh, so this was, whew, this must have been eight, eight, eight years ago, 10 years ago, somewhere around there. Okay, so to give you guys an idea, that is somewhere in the region of around, in today's money, it's half a million pounds, give or take. So around seven hundred In the first 000, year. Yeah, around $750,000, which is a great six-figure business to start off with uh, yeah. almost immediately. In South Africa, that money goes way, way further than it does over here. Oh, huge, huge, huge. I mean, like I look at, a, I look at the houses there in the UK and like, you know, you have a, 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 a two, like an example, like a two million pound or one million pound pound um, flat in London doesn't buy you much. No, it really doesn't. In South Africa, in South Africa, you get a mansion for that. Yeah. With, like, with, seriously. with people to work on in the building. Like it comes with house. 
Oh, dude, you know, the person, one of the people that I miss the most right now is Monica, is my mate. I mean, I've got a a maid that comes three times a week. And in pound terms, it costs me 150 pounds a month. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. That is incredible. And I slightly hate you, so fuck you. (laughs) I so much goddamn money. Um... But this is the crazy thing. Like this is this is why it's so many people actually relocate to other areas around the world, which they do, which is fine. But at the same time, I can't really bitch and moan because there is. Why am I in London? If I really wanted, I could. No, well, not right. Actually, even right now, I probably could. I could literally up and leave out of my place, move to a bigger location outside of London near a beach, yeah, somewhere, and be fine with it, and pay way less money. But the reason I don't is because a lot of things I want are actually in London specifically. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's not an end game for me. I'm not planning to stay and die here. I'm actually planning on traveling for a little bit after all this kind of clears up so I can go travel uh, and oh, see what's going on. to travel. Oh, Dude, so I love cool. to travel. Where's your favorite place that you've been to? Like top five? Top five? Oh, man. Um, so it depends for what. I mean, like in South Africa, we got this place called, well, there's Mozambique. Um, mm-hmm. right next door to us, which is unreal. It's like, it's incredible. Um, Philippines is stunning. Um, I've been to Egypt. That was amazing for diving. Um, I've been to, where else? Even Malawi is, is unreal. Like Africa is, is yeah, off the charts cool. Oh, for sure. I'm from it's, Tanzania, by the way, just so you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I was born there. And I've been back a couple of times over the years. Amazing, man. So one of my favorite places to go is actually is up in the, the north of Mozambique. So you fly into Pemba in Tanzania, and mm-hmm. then, you know, we go to like St. Lazarus Banks um, and, and, you know, places around there. It's stunning. That is so very true. It is a very stunning area. So, like, it's crazy. One of the other things I'll say to people, after this quarantine thing is done with you guys and you can go back out again, I would definitely suggest start visiting local cities near you. Yeah. Even local cities just will freak you out because it's such a change of pace. Yep. Smaller towns. Definitely. And I love that, you know. I think we get, you know, in South Africa, we've got nine different provinces, but only really two of them produce. Uh, Only really three of them actually produce. So anywhere that you go outside is a lot slower. (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely. It's an interesting place. Yeah, for sure. It's just the way life changes. Like uh, my friend's place, everywhere closes at six o'clock every day. It freaks me out. Yep. Everyone knows each other in the village. It's so strange to me. But that's not that's not because I grew up in London. I grew up in Leicester, where it was kind of similar thought processes, like a small city and stuff. But at the same time, it freaks you out when you have a change of uh, pace and feel what you've got going on. Now, unfortunately. I could talk to this man literally all day long. And we had a little bit of a technical issue at the start of our show. So unfortunately, I am going to ask Matt to come back onto the show at some later point as well. Because, dude, it's fun having you on the show. If you're up for it, I'd love to have you back on. Awesome, man. Be happy to. Oh, awesome. But one last question I will ask, and we've got only a couple of minutes to answer this, is when life okay. kicks you in the nuts. We've talked about mindset a lot, but I want like specifics here. Yep. Life kicks you in the nuts. You're on the floor. You're rolling around in pain. You're like, God damn, I don't know if I can get back up one more time again. It's hit me so many goddamn times. I'm throwing up blood. What are the 
what are the five things that you do, or even the three things that you do in that moment to turn that ship around? Oh, and I've been in that position a few times. I've been, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, I've made, I've made millions and literally had millions in my bank account and I've lost it all. I've been literally on my deathbed. I had a health issue that I was in hospital for months. I went down from 82 kilograms down to 59 kilograms in a space of two months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Um, To give give the Americans context, that's around 185 to 180, uh, 190 pounds down to just around 135. uh, Yep. If not, like 130, 135. 130. Yeah, it was insane. I was skin and bones. Like you could actually see my ribs in my in my chest, you know, it was crazy. And, you know, one of the big things for me is that I've always kind of taken a look and seen what else is going around on around in the world. And what have I got to be grateful for? Um, that's one of the biggest things, because, you know, there was a specific moment for me when, you know, when I was sick like that, when I knew I'd get better. And I always maintain, you know, I'm a very positive person and I, I like to joke and I like to, you know, poke fun at people, poke fun at myself. And, you know, I just, I mean, you're a comedian as well. You like doing, yeah. that's kind of the vibe, you know. Um, I'm not a comedian, but I, I just like the energy, you know. And um, so one of the times I, I remembered, I was, I was in a hospital, I was just actually being admitted to hospital and I felt like I was going to die. And the nurse took a look at me and I was like, gray. And she's like, oh my God, like we've got to get you on a drip now, like. Yep. right now and I remember sitting there um, waiting to be admitted and there was a group of kids um, that walked past I mean they couldn't have been older than eight to ten years old and none of them had hair there must have been about ten of them and I looked at them and I realized that these kids have all got cancer and they're all going through chemo and I realized at that point I was like you know what no matter what I'm going through there are people who've got it 10 times worse and I'm going to get through this. And so I kind of always, whenever something goes bad like that, the first step I always go back to is like, what have I got that I can be grateful for? Because there's so many things that we take for granted in life because, you know, it's like that, that curse of competency, you know, you're, you're around it so much and you do it so much. It's, it's become the normal. Yeah. But if all that had to be stripped away from you, would you still be the same person? Hmm. You know, very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I kind of always go back to that. For me, if if everything had to be taken away tomorrow, I'll be like, okay, that's fine, whatever, I'll rebuild it, no problem. You know, and so I'd say that's one thing: is always be grateful. Um, the next thing is like have a plan. You know. And just take daily consistent action towards that. It's like you don't have to – I think the mistake most people make is they try and implement everything all at the same time and then get overwhelmed and burnt out and then think that the world's going to end. But in actual fact, you don't have to do everything at the same time. Like making money or getting results, those are lagging indicators, Right, So it's actually like focusing on the leading indicators. What are the daily consistent actions that I can do that are going to get me closer towards where I want to go? And then I think the third thing is, is do it with a big fucking smile. Mm-hmm. Right, Just do everything with a big fucking smile and find, find something funny everywhere. 
find something to laugh about, whether it's yourself, whether it's other people, whether it's like, I remember looking in the mirror when I was, when I was like 59 kilograms and I was like, holy shit, I don't have an ass. My <laughs> bum just went in. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. And you kind of learn to laugh at yourself. You learn to love yourself. And, you know, that's when change really happens because you come from a place of, of, of empowerment and confidence. Yeah, that is very, very true. You end up having like an incredible amount of um, acceptance and beauty of what is. Yeah, because all the other stuff, making money and everything, I mean, those are skills that you can learn, right? And it's a step-by-step -step process, really, you know. Um, but if you are not a strong within yourself and you you haven't learned to be strong within yourself and you haven't taken the time to spend that time on yourself none of that shit is going to matter so true so very true it really isn't going to matter and one of the things i've thrown as a bonus tip uh, that i like to do is i like to keep something called a um self-love checklist which nice. is five things i put down on that checklist like Am I doing any, it's actually 10 for now, but like it used to be five out of these 10 things. What am I not doing right now? Or like mm. how many of these 10 things am I doing right now? If the answer is you're doing less than two of them or less than one of them, because sometimes it is zero. I yeah. stop everything I'm doing and I go do one of the 10 things that could be something as simple as go outside on the balcony and like breathe that. in fresh air. It could be something as like, stop working right now. Go look in the mirror and tell yourself you're a badass. Call this friend and tell them exactly why you love them. Just stuff like that. That all because like if I tell someone, if someone tells nice. me they love me, that feels nice. But if I tell someone I love them and why I love them, makes their day and makes me feel happy. So I go Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. And like we said and earlier, it's cool. One mm. second changes the mindset. Absolutely. And that's so cool because at least, you know, if you've, if you've got a list and you, you make a list of, of what you're doing, you know, it's so interesting. Like, and then we do this in business as well. It's like, you know, everyone can always tell you what they've done wrong, you know, because when things go wrong, there's an immediate, this is what you've done wrong. But how many people can tell you what they've done right and exactly. what they did when they were to get successful? It's like, oh, I kind of did this, that, and the other thing. So what you've done there is you've created a checklist. This is all the things that I need to be doing. These are all the things that when I'm successful, I'm doing these things. Am I doing them when I'm not successful? You've got a, a benchmark. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's something that took me a very long time to figure out. But honestly, it's one of the things I'd always put out there. But guys, uh, unfortunately, we are at the end of our show. It's been a real pleasure to have you on, Matt. And again, you and I are going to be Thank speaking you. for just a moment after this. Um, guys, please go ahead and visit thevirtualedge.com. If you want to basically start getting more leads into your business, do so. It is genuinely like a really cool place as well. As I said, just looking at it and how it is. Um, and most importantly, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to this channel uh, and this show on iTunes because the more reviews we get, the better we'll do. And as always, have an amazing weekend. And I look forward to seeing you next week when we do another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. Take care.